at all. I promise you that. Well, I hope you had a good Christmas. I hope you enjoyed time with the family and, and perhaps the friends that you, your loved ones that you were able uh, to see. I know this Christmas has been different for all of us. I'm, this year has been different for all of us. And as a staff, we were getting ready, or we are getting ready for 2021. So I went, looked back at what we said we were going to do in 2020. And we said 2020 was going to be the year of focus. I couldn't help but to play off that uh, eyesight 2020 vision thing. So I was like, oh, it's going to be the year of focus. Because if you remember, 2019 was all about foundations. All right, we did the story. We walked through the majority of the Bible in a year. And then we did the 10 core like beliefs. We had a theological, uh, 10 theological sermons, look at the 10 core beliefs of our faith. And so 2020 was going to be focused. And this is what I wrote in the newsletter. It said, our goal will be to focus on a few things we can do extremely well rather than try to do every opportunity that comes our way. Little did I know how much focusing we'd be doing and the opportunities that would be taken away from us without us even knowing. But looking back on it, if I were to say what was 2020, I would call it, it's my opinion now, the year of exposure. As we sit back and look at 2020, I, I would say it was the year of exposure because COVID, of course, rocked our country, rocked the world. And it seems to me, this is all opinion, of course, at the beginning, not the Bible part, but this is. Um, it seems that this has exposed so many issues in our country. It's kind of like when you get in a fight with your spouse. Anybody ever got in a fight with their spouse? The rest of you who are married are lying, okay? So yes, when you get in a fight with your spouse, the issue it starts off with is never the issue you end up dealing with at the end, is it? You end up dealing with 15 other things you had no idea were even a problem. But that one fight exposed all the other issues. So here's what I saw exposed. Again, you may not agree with all of these, but just my opinion. I saw the pettiness of our politicians exposed. I saw that mass turn into debate. I saw stimulus package held up and leveraged for elections. I mean, in times of crisis, we would want our leaders to come together. And boy, they surely didn't do that this year, did they? I saw the racial tension in our country exposed even more. I mean, there were far more people standing up for racial injustice and, and speaking to those needs. And of course, people have been doing that for a long time now, but more people joined with the public outcry that something needs to change. I think our, the unpreparedness of our medical facilities were exposed. Probably not fault of anybody's, but who would have thought that the hospitals would have said, hey, we got to stay home because we can't handle it. And that was exposed. I saw the uncertainty of scientists. For so long, especially in our modern world, we said, well, if something happens, surely the scientists, they can figure it out. And we were all kind of taken back when we said, you, you mean y'all don't, don't have a clue what's going on? Now, to be fair, no one, they never claimed to know everything. We just assumed that they could figure it out at least quicker than nine months. I think what was exposed also is our Christian values were put to the test. We were faced with, is gathering together physically a biblical mandate? Is it something we can set aside? In fact, if we do set it aside, will we still join together at the same time and watch corporately? Is worship actually as important as we say it is? 
Was our commitment to the body of Christ as strong? Was our giving still as strong? I think the biggest one that was exposed is as Christians, we are told to love others as ourselves. Have you all ever heard that before? Love God, love others. We're like, yeah, of course we do that. Until the country says you have to wear a mask for the sake of other people, we go, well, I don't know if I love them that much. Right? I'm not picking on anybody here. I mean, I have an authority problem. Everybody thought it was just me. At least I'm honest. Some of us have authority problem in the room too, don't we? Someone tell us what to do. We're like, no. But it was for loving other people. So, I mean, these values that we claim to have, I mean, they were put to the test. There was tension. Some things were probably exposed in our life. But ultimately, the biggest thing that I think has been exposed is that we were all reminded of the frailty as humans. We're all reminded of our frailty as humans. It's the next slide. Yeah, I think that probably highlights the biggest one for me because COVID brought the world to its knees. And I've been thinking about this for a while. I've been trying to figure out what is going on here. I'm sure you have too, because the thing that's kept pestering me is why? I mean, why has COVID shut the world down? And, and to be honest, I'm not trying to be insensitive, just, just kind of stay with me. It, it can't be just because people are getting sick and, and people are, are, are passing away. I mean, people do that all the time. I mean, that happens. It can't be because of that. It can't be because something's wrecking havoc on our world. Because in an article I found on the, on the government website, it's, it's an American website, I don't remember the name of it. Excuse me, it's an official usgovernment.gov site. They had the stats from 2019. They don't have 2020 yet, of course. But in 2019, there are still 21,000 people worldwide dying from hunger every single day. 21,000 people in 2019 die from hunger. That is 7.6 million people a year die from hunger and hunger-related diseases, malnutrition. COVID doesn't touch that. And it's preventable. You don't need a cure for it. And it's wrecked havoc. It is wrecking havoc in our world right now. But the world doesn't shut down because of it. They don't shut down restaurants until everybody else has enough to eat. And did you know it's, we're not waiting for a vaccine for hunger or anything like that and it's completely preventable because the world actually makes enough food. We have enough food for the crisis. There is a crisis, but yet it's still raging on. The article stated, the principal problem is that many people in the world still do not have, still do not have sufficient resources to purchase or grow enough nutritious food. And if the world cared, our leaders cared so much about human life, then why are 21,000 people still dying a day from hunger? See, stuff like that bothers me because it doesn't make sense. There's something broken there. You see, COVID brought the world to its knees because it didn't care how famous you were. It didn't care how much money you have. It didn't care what your job title was. 
didn't care how prestigious you were. The things that usually save us in this world or give us special treatment, COVID didn't care about. Including everyone, and that's the affluent, and I don't have time to, to, to give you the stats. You just have to trust me here. If you're listening to this, you live in America, you were considered the affluent, you were considered the rich to the world standards. That is us. But what has happened is the affluent have been reminded how frail they really are. We've been reminded how uncertain life really is. We've been reminded how close to death we could be. We've been reminded that our actions do impact other people. And we realize that these plans, these things that we want to do, well, we just can't do them now. Everyone, the affluent included, realize that we're not in control. We're not as powerful as we think we are. And it's changed everything. But what if we allowed this to keep us uncertain? What if we allowed us to just have a wake-up call into reality? What if we embraced that uncertainty? What if we allowed the illusion of control that's been shattered? What if we allow it to stay shattered? What if we embrace that each and every one of us are here for just a very short period of time and we will all stand before the Lord and give an account one day? What if the uncertainty that we're feeling is how life is supposed to feel? Well, James, the brother of Jesus, has something to say about this. If you have your Bible with you, you can turn with me. It's James chapter 4. We're going to look at verse 13 through 17. Here's what he says. He says, now listen. Okay. You who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Now, pause. let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever made plans to do something tomorrow? How many of you have ever made plans to go to work the next day? Then he's talking to you. Yeah. You ever made plans? You ever want to do something? This is you. He's talking to the affluent. People who don't just wake up and try to figure out how they're going to eat. How many of you think about what you're going to eat the next day? This isn't an eating sermon. I'm just curious. You don't. You know it's going to be there. So those of us who can think past the eating, we can think past the basic necessities. We can think about going to make money. Isn't that awesome? We can think about making money. That's us, the affluent, the people who have that luxury. Those who have responsibility, those who are planning to go to school or planning to go to college, those who have all the basic stuff taken care of, the affluent people. You see, these people, well, they have it figured out just like us. They had the winning formula. One scholar says they were caught up in their winning formula, the timing, the journey to the financial center, the security of a temporary residence, the possession of sufficient time to do business, and the expectation to turn profit. In other words, this kind of formula, this is what we're doing. It's just like that book you read, Seven Ways To, or Seven Principles For, right? This stuff that, that's going to help us get better. See, what we're going to find out is their planning isn't the problem. 
Them planning to do things isn't the issue. They've just chosen to leave God out of it. He says this, verse 14. He says, why? Why? Why do you plan? Why do you think about tomorrow? Why do you do all that? Why? When you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. To which you go, I don't understand. Of course I plan to go to work. Of course I plan to go on business trips. Of course I got plans. I got a vision for my company. I was told I was supposed to have one. So I got a grand vision of where I'm supposed to go. But James says, why? You don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. To which we all said, yeah, we can understand that now, can't we? How many of us had our plans upended this year? Yeah, that's the most anybody's ever raised a hand. The rest of you are just not telling the truth. I see you. Okay, I see you. We've all had our plans upended this year, every single one of us. This was the year that Jess and I planned. She was finishing school. We were going to take a trip out to California two weeks. We were going to drive in the Jeep, and we were going to go off-road, and we've been playing, and this is going to be perfect. We didn't do it. And if that's the biggest thing, I didn't get to do my vacation, well, I think it was all right now, wasn't it? But our plans changed this year. So James continues, why? You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. Tomorrow, what is your life? You are a mist, a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Now, this is James, the brother of Jesus. This is the guy who grew up with Jesus, didn't believe in Jesus, came to believe in Jesus later on. He's sitting back getting philosophical about life and tells you and tells me, what is your life? You're just a mist. You're just a vapor, the old King James says, just a vapor that appears and then goes away. We vanish, right? Because in three to four generations, are they going to remember you? You remember four generations ago? Some of you do. That's awesome. Most of us, no. They're not going to have a clue who we're going to vanish. James seems to have this psalm in mind. Look, it's in the Old Testament. Psalm 39 says this. It says, you have made my days a mere handbreadth. The span of my years is as nothing before you. Everyone is but a breath, even those who seem secure. See, that's my argument. That's what I think everybody found out, is those who were usually secure found out. <laughs> Life happens to them, too. Seems secure. Surely everyone goes around like a mere phantom. In vain they rush about, heaping up wealth without knowing whose it will finally be. It was planning for our legacy or thinking about that, huh? I've done all this hard work, and my kids are going to blow all of it. That's what the psalmist says. You don't know. The psalmist reminds us life comes and goes. All of us are here for a very short period. You've probably heard the saying, people spend all of their time trying to get more money. And in the end, they spend all of their money trying to get more time. It's weird how that works, isn't it? But you see, nothing's changed in the past 2,000 years. He's giving them a wake-up call about their own mortality. James is saying, listen, those of you who think you have it figured out, just remember, you're not going to be here long. You're just amidst. Just like COVID has done to our world, it's reminded us all that we aren't guaranteed tomorrow. That we can be taken out. But nothing's changed. You could have always been taken out. You could have always had that accident. You could have always gotten that report. We're not in control, nor have we been. 
We're not promised tomorrow. So James says this, because of that in verse 15, he says, instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. Now, before we just insert, if it is the Lord's will, before everything we want to do, go, oh, I'm being biblical. If it's the Lord's will, now it works. This isn't a magic formula. You understand James' point. He said our life should revolve around whose will? The Lord's will. And I bet you found out this year if your life has been revolved around your will or the Lord's will. Because the Lord's plan hadn't changed. But yours did. Did you find yourself upset this year? Whose plans were you concerned with? Did you adjust well? You see, God is sovereign over our entire lives. But what James is bringing here together, he's bringing the plans we make for our lives to include the business plans, our school plans. Far too often I've met people who thought their business or their church life was here, and then their business life was over here. You ever met somebody out, then you saw them at church, and you were just like, I had no idea that guy went to church. Oh, my goodness. They were different. They didn't bring their life together under one God. They seem to be serving two different things. James brings it all together and says your church and your family life and your business life, they should all be under the sovereign God, meaning God should be carried out, God's values, excuse me, Christian ethics, Christian principles, all of that should be carried out into all aspects of our lives. I mean, imagine if all Christians, all Christian business owners used the Christian ethics with their employees, with their business practices. We wouldn't need contracts. Y'all ever seen how big contracts are, what lawyers do to contracts now? You need four lawyers to interpret it, and you still don't know if you're covered yet. It's because there's no, don't trust people anymore. But see, James is calling all of us. The same thing we talked about on Christmas Eve, actually. It's humility. Understanding who you are versus who he is. But it's all God's, so therefore we trust. He says this, then he comes back around. He'll repeat himself, verse 16. He says, that as it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. Basically, you boast about your business, you boast about your plans, you boast about your retirement, you boast about the 401k, how much you have retirement. All of us who are boasting in these man-made things about our future, he says, your arrogant schemes and all such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows good they ought to do and still doesn't do it, it is a sin for them. And that seems like, James, what are you talking about? How do you go from that to that? What he's saying is now that you know God's will should be in all aspects of your life, now that you know his concerns should be the primary concerns, now that you know that your schemes and your plans should be on the back seat of God's, well, now that if you don't do it, it's a sin. It's a sin of omission, right? Sin isn't just what you do. It's also what you don't do. So James says that's a sin. He's bringing it all together. Our plan should be on God's will for our life. James' brother Jesus is saying, hey, why do you get so caught up in what you have to do? Why do you arrogantly think that you know how it's all going to turn out? He says, what is your life? We're just a vapor that appears and then is gone. Even the powerful. COVID's exposed that for us. So James is telling us to live for the Lord daily. It's right here. Will be. 
We'll just continue. Live for the Lord daily. Oh, there it is. Live for the Lord daily and trust in the Lord for tomorrow. Live, in the, live for the Lord daily and trust in the Lord for tomorrow, which I bet is not new information. You're like, of course. Of course we already do this. We're like, yes. But that's where that exposure thing comes up. Because let's be honest, nobody knows but you. Has the lack of God's will in your life been exposed this year? If you're carrying out the will of God, when things change, when plans change that you can't control, but it's a God thing, do you get upset or do you change courses with him? When God is doing something in this world, do you get angry at it? Because aren't your greatest frustrations this year because things didn't turn out the way you thought they would? Can we be honest? How often do things actually turn out the way you think they're going to turn out? Truthfully, they don't, do they? But then we just come up with another plan that distracts us from that. This didn't work out, so we have another plan. But this has been the year of planning doesn't work, does it? We're like, I don't, I don't even know. Who knows? We just quit planning altogether because we literally were uncertain, had absolutely no idea. Did you know you were just faced, you were just forced to live by what this year? Faith. Was it uncomfortable? It shouldn't have been. We are called to live by faith every single day. You were just faced with uncertainty. That's just living by faith, trusting in God. Your greatest disappointments, your greatest regrets, the anger you feel the most is simply because things don't turn out the way you think they should. See, this year, our faith's been exposed. Do we actually trust him? Do we actually believe he's in control? Do we actually believe that we are used for his glory? He is not used for our glory. Do we understand that the vast majority of people in this world live with the uncertainty we feel right now all the time? They wonder where the next meal is going to come. They wonder if they're going to have a job. They don't know if they're going to see their family because their country's in civil war. They don't know if they're going to go to school or their kids are going to go to school because there is no education. I mean, I'm not, I don't, this isn't a third world stuff like that, but just understand, the vast majority of Christians live like we're living right now all the time. We just had our eyes open. We've been exposed on how we've trusted in these other things. We put our faith in these other things, and when they're taken away, we're left with God. And was it enough? Did it still guide you and lead you? The illusion of control has been stripped away, and James says, well, what is your life anyways? You're just a mist that appears and then vanishes. What if we decided to embrace that and say, hey, we really don't know. Life is uncertain. How about I just live for the Lord daily and let him take care of the rest? Sounds like we should just quit planning, amen? Right, Juwan, quit planning altogether. I don't like planning, Juwan does. We have arguments about it, okay? That's all that is. No, we should still plan. I'll show you. We do this. Next slide. We should plan in prayer. How many of you like planning? 
I agree. If you didn't raise your hand, I don't like I just said that. We're on the same page. But no, we do plan. We have to plan. Planning makes sense, but we must do it in prayer. Do you seek the Lord in your plans? Do you commit your daily schedule? Check that out. Do you commit your daily schedule to the Lord? And say, Lord, here's what I got going on, but if you want to intervene, go ahead. Or is it more like, Lord, here's what I got going on. I'll catch you when I get home. And if you interrupt, it's going to throw my life off and I won't be living for you. So just leave me alone because I got plans, I got things going on. Remember, the Lord doesn't work that way. If you look at your Bible, even people that he gives big picture. Remember, he said, Abraham, I'm going to make you have a lot of descendants. He's like, oh, okay. But does he tell them how it's all going to work out? Remember, God works what's called progressive revelation. He slowly reveals things to us. He doesn't check with us to make sure it's okay. Like, hey, what do you think about this? Do you think this will work? How's this? No, no. He says, here's where I need you to go. And then he guides us step by step, which if you like being in control can be frustrating. Because that means we've got to live by what? Faith. Who wants to live by faith? They're like, no, we want to live by control and knowledge. But God says, no, 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 that's not what I've called you to do. I've called you to live by faith. Proverbs 69 says, you probably know this one. In their hearts, human plans their course, which means we make plans, we get directions, nothing wrong with that. But the Lord establishes their every step. That seems like we'd be seeking him too much, doesn't it? We'd be relying upon him too much of every step. It's like, yeah, no, God wants to guide each step. But I don't want to make a left, God. I want to keep going straight. Well, you see, when you commit your daily schedule to the Lord, I ask you to try it. Try it for a couple of days. What it allows you to do is if you commit your daily schedule, when that interruption comes, when that thing that would usually make you mad or that person or that phone call, when you commit your schedule, you realize, hey, God, this must be who you wanted me to talk to. Yeah, I'm going to be late to that other thing, but this must be your will, Lord. And if, Lord, if your will is for me to be over there, you got to get this person out of here. All right? It, it's realizing that, hey, he is God, and let's let him take care of it, and I'll just do my best with what's in front of me. And let him work out the rest. Too often we're focused on what's next or tomorrow that we don't enjoy the day. And it could be what James says. Your last, your life is but a mist. So enjoy that. Enjoy it. And evidently, including God in our lives is a really big deal. Y'all heard of King Saul, right? King Saul was the very first king of Israel. He ultimately failed as a king. And look at his summary of his life. You've probably seen this. First Chronicles 10. I don't know. Not a lot of us make it in the middle of Chronicles. That's a book kind of hard to get through at the beginning. So maybe you haven't seen it. But here it is. It says, Saul died because he was unfaithful. He died early, parentheses, right? It should be in parentheses. He died early. His kingdom didn't last, right? He died early because he's unfaithful to the Lord. He did not keep the word of the Lord and even consulted a medium for guidance. Important part. And he did not inquire of the Lord. So the Lord put him to death and turned the kingdom over to David, son of Jesse. Now Saul did a lot of bad things. You probably have heard of him before. We even studied him. But here's what's highlighted. Like if someone were to look back and give a 100,000 foot view of your life, what would it be? His was not inquiring of the Lord, not asking the Lord what to do. 
gives me a gut check. I don't know about you, but going, God, do I seek you enough? Do I seek you for the daily things? Do I, do I include you in most decisions, or do I just kind of go, hey, God, I'm going to go for it and stop me when you're ready? Like, I'm, I'm going to go full speed, and you just let me know if I'm going too far. Maybe I should pause and, and ask. Now, perhaps we don't consult mediums anymore. Anybody done that? Don't tell me if you have fortune-telling, things like that. No? Okay. Yeah, but we, we, make, we probably consult author, authors or podcasts or celebrities. You know, we, we let other people guide us too. They just had mediums. That's what they used. So God placed him in position, just like God placed you in your position. God's the one who gives us those things. God removed him from that position from not seeking him. So we should take this serious. So we plan in prayer. And number two, we plan with wisdom. Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of all knowledge, and fools despise wisdom and instruction. You see, the Bible is full of wisdom. You probably know that. And wisdom is thinking through your actions, meaning you are looking to what happens. You want a desired outcome, so goal, achievement, stuff like that. So you look and you do the things to try to get the desired result. But biblical wisdom, okay, biblical wisdom isn't just about you being a strategic thinker. It's not just about strategic planning. Biblical wisdom starts with God. As Proverbs says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise its wisdom instruction. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of all of that. James 1.5 says, if any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. So here's my point. Planning with wisdom, or if we're making our plans, it's not about just being a strategic planning or strategic thinking. The beginning of all biblical wisdom starts and ends with God. My fear of God, my knowledge of God, who he is. In other words, taking a long time to say what Jesus says, Matthew 6, 9 through 10 says this. This then is how you should pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. I mean, do we pray that daily? That's wisdom. We're, we're planning in prayer, but we're also planning with wisdom. The wisdom of knowing it all starts and ends with God, and it's all about his will, not my will. So am I planning with God? Am I preparing with God? And the truth is, this is the hard part. There's no magic formula for knowing God's will. God's will for your life is based upon your relationship with him. You got to know them. You got to talk with them. I've heard one author say, you've probably heard it, that 90% of everything God wants you to do is found in the Bible. 90%. And he'll reveal the last 10% when you're going ahead following through with the first 90. So we plan in prayer. We use wisdom, biblical wisdom, which is starting and ending with God in our plans. But then we also do this. We plan on God being... God which means at the end of the day who's in control God is you've heard this Jeremiah 2 11 for I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord that's a promise he gave to Israel plans to prosper in future he's speaking to them for that but just know that God does have plans and purposes for us see there's a hundred percent chance you and I will make plans great plans and they're going to be at odds with God's plans. When that happens, what do we do? 
Do we adjust? Do we get frustrated? Well, 2020 exposed that for us all. If nothing else, I hope that 2020 will be the year that all of us learn to be utterly dependent upon the grace and goodness of God. Because when you trust God with your life and your plans, you no longer have to be in control. It stops you from having to have answers. It releases you from stress. I mean, a lot of people, I don't know who, but a lot of you probably stress out because you don't know what's next. Because we're not in control. But if we just give it to God, we remember we don't have to be. We aren't called to be. So we live for the Lord daily and trust in the Lord for tomorrow. And perhaps you, perhaps me, perhaps we've all had some misplaced faith this year. Perhaps 2020, if nothing else, has exposed that. And so who knows what 2020 will bring? Hopefully a better year, yes? I'm going to lose weight this year, next year. How many of y'all have lied to yourself every year for the past so many years with that same resolution? Hopefully. Just think about this. Think about it for the next week. Spend some time in some deep thinking. What has 2020 exposed in your life? Honestly, you don't have to tell anybody. What has it exposed? And commit to that change for the glory of God in 2021. Perhaps 2021 can be your greatest year of faith and your closest year to the Lord. Hopefully our situation will be different. But remember, you'll still be there. So whatever you bring over will still be with you. For instance, my horrible heating habits, eating habits, will still be with me in 2021. If I don't deal with them now, they're going to wreak havoc on my plans for next year. So whatever next year brings, you will still be there. So what do you need to deal with? What do you need to get rid of? What's been exposed that you need to release? So you're not bringing that over to 2021, so it can be, perhaps, a great year. Will you pray with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you so much for being our sovereign God who is in control. We thank you that we can trust you, we can rely upon you. We thank you that we can depend upon you. Lord, we do pray that your spirit shows us what's been exposed and things that we need to perhaps repent from, maybe put down, give up, or maybe some new habits we need to start. Lord, we do know that you are God who is in control. We have put our faith and trust in you for not only our salvation, not only for what's next, but we put our faith and trust in you for the now. So Father, guide us and direct us We do pray that 2021 will be our best year yet. We pray that great things will happen. We pray that we'll be able to reach more people with the gospel. We pray. We pray for your glory, Lord. So just use us as your instruments, Lord. Help us see where our plans are self-centered. Our plans are getting in the way of what you want to do. And allow us to clear that, Lord, so you can work in our lives through us. We love you in the name of Jesus, we pray.